Hey guys, welcome back to Murder in the Mountains. I'm your host, Karina. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because I have a very special guest. Chelsea Browder will be joining us today to read some Reddit stories, some super creepy things that she found online. Chelsea and I have been friends since 8th grade. That is a long ass time. And now we're both moms, so if you hear our babies in the background, sorry, can't help it. You gotta do what you gotta do. Hey everybody. Um, So as a true crime slash horror slash paranormal lover myself, I often find myself deep in the archives of Reddit's scariest stories. Whether it's creepy-ass credit, creepy encounters, or true crime discussion, you can bet I'm reading something that would horrify most people. One of my favorite subreddits on Reddit is Let's Not Meet, a truly terrifying, sometimes disturbing list of people's encounters with crazy-ass people. I have read some of the most fucked-up, bone-chilling stories on there, and in my opinion, sometimes the scariest things in the world involve the creepy scumbags that get pure pleasure out of scaring people to the point that they need therapy. So I compiled a few stories that have personally traumatized me from being a functioning member of society. Okay, so this first story, I have not read this one yet, but Chelsea printed this out for me and we're just gonna experience it together. So this was posted by user Outworlder39 on Reddit. It's called Church in the Woods. I posted this on Backwoods Creepy a while back on this throwaway account. My wife suggested this sub might find it interesting as well. Here goes. I grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside all the time we could manage it. Joe lived on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest, and my parents would drop me off in the morning, and we'd stay in the woods all weekend. We'd only come out for school. We loved pretending we were frontiersmen. We'd build shelters, traps, practice making fire with sticks, the whole nine yards. When we got to be in high school, we got this notion to pull a stand by me. This was based on a movie of the same name that had just come out. The idea was that we'd walk the railroad tracks out in the country, but instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find cool bridges to fish from and camp a little ways off the tracks. Of course, we knew this was dangerous and we'd likely be trespassing, but we were kids. We had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers and we discovered bridges no one went to. We fished and we hid from trains. At night, we camped in the woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever happened. It was idyllic. In fact, it was so fun, we did it multiple times. Never had a problem. Well, it seems like there must have been a problem at some point. (laughs) After high school, me and Joe went our own ways. We both left home, but always stayed in touch and always tried to coordinate visits so we'd see each other occasionally. Oh, that's sweet. Well, one summer in the mid-90s, it worked out that we were both in town for about a week. We'd do stuff with family in the day, and at night we'd either catch drinks at a bar or sit outside Joe's house around a fire and talk about the old days. One night, me and Joe got to talking about our stand-by-me trips. Well, nostalgia and beer are a hell of a mix. Soon we decided to take a day, walk the rails, camp one night, and walk home. The day came. We started out early morning. We had my wife drop us off in our old spot where we used to start, right outside our hometown. She thought this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention that. That sounds like something that I would do. <laughs> like, if Dougie was like, oh, me and my friends are just going to go do this and that. I'd be like, okay, you're fucking dumb. Absolutely. 
When she pulled away, Joe suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we'd take the opposite direction just to be adventurous. Okay, so this is probably where it's going to go. <laughs> we knew the land well. We had a map, so I gave a what the hell, and off we set. The day went fine. It was fun and a little sad, but in a good way. We found a bridge and sat on the edge, smoked a joint, and moved on. Okay, so these people are high out in the woods, <laughs> sitting on bridges. Recipe for disaster. Yeah. We had no fishing gear, but we brought some canned food and other stuff. So they're just going to eat cold beefaroni. <laughs> Before night started to set in, we picked a spot to camp. It was a thick forested area, trees on every side of the train tracks. So you felt like you were in a tunnel. We had brought small hammocks to sleep on, but before we set them up, we decided to do a little scouting of the perimeter. That's my baby. She's pissed off because she needs a, a cheese puff. Now, this is what we used to do in the old days, too. We'd walk around a little bit to make sure some dude's house wasn't just over a hill, and we were actually camping in their yard. We walked maybe a hundred or so feet into the woods and up a small incline. We figured if we didn't see anything from the top of this short hill, we'd be fine. But when we got to the top, we saw an old building down at the bottom, about 100 yards into the woods. It was barely visible. We pondered over what to do. We both assumed it was a sugar shack or something. What is a sugar shack? I have no idea. Keep going and I'll look it up. Okay. I feel like it's a place for, like, people to meet up and, like, right? have sex. <laughs> like, make out reef on Spongebob. Because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it either. Did you find out what it was? It Okay, so it's pretty much just like a cabin or like a cluster of cabins for people who would make like maple syrup and stuff oh. out in the woods. Oh. <laughs> so nothing sexual. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> they make maple syrup. They're not making out. They're making syrup. Okay, so we came down the hill very slowly. As we neared the building, we saw it wasn't a sugar shack at all. Oh, yeah, no kidding. It was an old church. It looked like it had been abandoned for years. It was a squat, sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from years of moss and rot. A cross still stood at the top of the place, also weathered black. None of the windows had glass, and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough to see inside, and there were rows of pews in a built-up section in front for a preacher to stand. Okay, so this is an old, creepy church. That can't be good. <laughs> we didn't go all the way in. We didn't want to. Beyond all that, there was no sign of anyone else. No footprints, no paths, no roads. It was just an abandoned church. We left immediately and went back up the hill to our spot where we had picked camp. Having a hill between us and the church made us feel better, but we were still a little uneasy. I feel like this is, this would be like a good, like little movie plot. That's what I was thinking. Same thing. We chalked it up to the natural creepiness, seeing a church in the middle of the woods would be illicit. Besides, at this point it was dusk and we just decided to rig up our hammocks and go to sleep and move on at early morning. Night set in. As we lay in our hammocks, and shot the shit, we began to hear something in the direction of the church. Oh, this is great. Our conversation about it went a little like this. Did you hear that? What the fuck is that? It sounds like people singing. Oh, no, no, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it did sound just like singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two, and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. I don't know about you, but, like, weird, like, creepy religious movies. Mm-hmm. Like, have you watched Hereditary? No. But I've, I I know stuff about it. Like, I know that the brother was driving the car and shut her head out the window. <laughs> and there was a tree involved. But I don't know much about it. But there is something that's specifically horrifying about, like, a... a horror movie that's about religious things just because we think of religion and we think positive things yes like you're i don't know it's just it's creepy it's weird and i don't know if you guys have watched hereditary and if you haven't i'm sorry i'm about to give you like a little spoiler but like there's this tree house at the end of the movie and the son i can't remember his name but he's a fuck in the movie like i can't stand him he's always crying and he's like wah, wah. it's like the weirdest thing i've ever seen he, like, goes up into this treehouse, and he's, like, possessed by this devil or something, and there's, like, all these naked old people, like, gathered in the treehouse, like, doing some kind of weird ritual. I don't know. That's what this is, like, giving me the vibes of. It's weird. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two, and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. Finally, we decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move very quietly in the woods from the old days. It was second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided enough light so you wouldn't walk right into a tree. But it was near pitch black. We didn't use flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill and we didn't talk. When we got to the top, we saw light in the distance. It was coming from the church. And the singing was coming from inside. Joe and I put our heads close together and had a hushed conversation that boiled down to... Can you believe this shit? The light looked to be candlelight from the way it flickered. And though we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but in another language. Ew, that's creepy. That like gives me chills. It's wild. We sat and watched for a while, trying to see who was in there, but we only saw occasional shadows. We had no intention of getting close either. We had about a football field length between us, and we aimed to keep it that way. The singing continued for a bit, and then it stopped. After that, a booming male voice began to chant. I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared the shit out of me. It sounded like some Old Testament preacher you see in the movies. But again, it was like he was speaking a different language because we couldn't understand a single word. Eventually, it got to where the single male voice would say something, and then a bunch of voices would answer in song. This lasted for a while, and then they all broke into this long, sustained wail that just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I covered my ears. Then it stopped. That is weird. At this point, I was just getting ready to say, let's get the fuck out of here. When Joe put a hand on my shoulder and hissed, they're coming out. We were far enough away that we couldn't make them out really well. But what we could see was a line of figures walk out the open doorway, all holding hands in a single file line. We could see some of them had flashlights. They began to sing again, and the light from the flashlights began to move towards us and the hill. We booked it back down to our campsite, grabbed our shit, and ran to the tracks. Once there, we ran down the tracks in the direction we had come from. After a few minutes, we stopped and looked back. We saw lights coming down the hill, and they were moving erratically, like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We continued to run in spurts and walk as fast as we could. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and came to a road. 
By our map, we knew a small town was about 15 minutes down, and we walked there. We got to a 24-hour gas station and called my wife to come get us. My wife and other friends all just thought it was kids messing around, but I heard those voices, and they sure as hell didn't sound like kids to me. Not sure who those people were, but it was definitely the creepiest thing that has happened to me out in the woods. That was a weird story. Like, that actually kind of gave me, like, some chill bumps. It was almost like like a set in the scene for a movie because it's like they're doing this normal stuff that they used to do when they were younger, and then... It's like everything just turns to shit quick. Yes. Could you could you imagine us out in the woods, like, coming up on this weird church and then all of these, like, weird people in there, like, oh, blah, blah, like, doing Absolutely their chanting? Absolutely not. <laughs> we would run out of there so fast. I, I swear. Like, yeah. I wouldn't know what to do, honestly. I wouldn't either because just the, just the simple fact that you're out in the, he even said it's, like, dense forest with, Nothing to really protect yourself. I mean, they brought canned food. You gonna throw fucking canned food at the people? Yes. I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Hit him in the head, Chef Boyardee. I mean, come on. No, I would be like frozen in fear. Honestly, I would not know what to do. I would. I'm the person in the like in the scary movie that dies first yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So this story was posted by user Spooky Red. Um, titled, A Man Approached Me and My Kids in a Deserted Mall Parking Lot at 10 o'clock at night and Started Talking to My Kids. That's my biggest fear. That's like a long title, too. I feel like you could have shortened that down just a tad. (laughs) (laughs) So, this happened about five years ago while I was nine months pregnant. I was Christmas shopping at the mall with my then seven and 15-year-old daughters one Saturday night in a very safe city with very low crime rate. There was an Applebee's connected to the mall, and we ended up shopping pretty late. And the mall stores were starting to close. So I took my kids to the connected Applebee's for a late dinner. We finished eating at about 10 p.m. And leave out of the Applebee's entrance into the practically deserted parking lot with shopping bags in tow. As we got to the car, I was in the middle of maneuvering the shopping bags on my arms to find my keys. When a 50-ish year old crusty looking guy starts walking up from somewhere in the parking lot with shaggy gray white hair and a faded flannel shirt and old jeans. She's very descriptive. Look, that's <laughs> always what these motherfuckers look like. That's always what they look like. Yeah. Like crusty, dusty, musty. Nasty. Old men. Yes. No offense to the old men. <laughs> offense. <laughs> I noticed him briskly approaching when he was about 40 feet away, and he said, This is a stick-up. Give me all your money. (laughs) Do people say that in real life? What the fuck? My blood ran cold, and I stared at him hourly and shakingly and said, What? He then said he was just kidding and came up and stood right next to my daughters, who were standing on the other side of the car waiting for me to unlock the car to let them in. He then starts making small talk with me and my girls. He's asking if they were being good girls for Santa, how old they were, if we got all our Christmas shopping done, what kind of things did we get, etc. He didn't seem drunk, high, slow, or mentally challenged at all. He was very coherent and seemed of sound mind. See, I feel like people like this make it weird and awkward for actual really nice older men to be like, oh, you have such right. cute kids. Because they're, like, I've been yeah. approached by old women, old men, and sometimes they just want to see the baby. You right. know, they have grandkids and they love kids. And it does. It, it makes you so skittish 
to even let them look at them. Yes, like you can't help but to be hyper aware because of all the freaks out there. And you never know. Like right. it could be this sweet old lady that's trying to traffic your child. Exactly. And you think she's just granny from down the street. Exactly. Mind you, I was a heavily pregnant woman alone with my two daughters in a mostly deserted parking lot at 10 o'clock at night who was being approached by a stranger who came and stood right next to my kids on the other side of the car just shooting the breeze, talking to me and my kids with his hands in his pockets and occasionally looking over his shoulder. I didn't want to aggravate him, so I was politely conversing with him and trying to look calm and nonchalant while trying to disguise my frantic hands digging inside my giant purse for my car keys. This exchange went on for a couple minutes while he periodically kept looking over his shoulder. I was silently panicking and trying to politely keep the situation from escalating by calmly and nonchalantly talking to him, while also trying in vain to find my damned car keys to get us out of there. They were in there hiding good. I felt that at any moment he was going to pull a knife or a gun or rob me, and my kids were right next to him, away from their mother, on the other side of the car, and I couldn't find my fucking car keys to get my kids into the car safely. That is the worst. That is so terrifying. That's why, like, lately, I've been attaching my keys to my wallet because my wallet is a lot bigger and I yes. can find it easier. Yes. There has to be, you know, some way to get to it quickly in, in those kinds of situations because you never know what's going to happen and you don't know how much time you have to keep yourself and your kids safe. Right. He kept trying to engage them in conversation, and I could see that my oldest daughter was a little weirded out, and she kept glancing at me to gauge my assessment to this situation. And being that he was only talking and acting friendly, and I was doing my best to stay calm, they were oblivious to the alarming situation we were all in. And being nine months pregnant, and that I was no match for this full-grown man, especially if he was hiding a weapon. While still desperately digging for my keys, I tried to politely give him hints that the conversation was over by saying things like, it was nice chatting with you, but I got to get these kids to bed, and it was nice meeting you, and telling my girls to say that it was nice meeting him too. My polite attempts to get this guy to leave were not working because he kept sidestepping my attempts and asking them what their favorite school subjects are and how nice young ladies they were, etc., while I was struggling with the shopping bags and digging in my giant cluttered purse for my car keys. My outgoing seven-year-old was completely oblivious to how not okay the situation was because he was being friendly and because of the whole I'm with mommy so I'm safe child mentality. So she started to talk about what she picked out for daddy for Christmas and started enthusiastically talking about kids stuff and asking him if he knew what Minecraft was and keeping this creep from leaving us alone by keeping him engaged in the conversation. I would be so pissed. I mean, I mean, I, I kid, understand. Right. But I would be like, would you please shut up? Yes, stop asking this man if he knows what <laughs> Minecraft is. He's trying to kidnap us. I know. It's, oh God. They didn't realize that I was becoming desperate to get them the hell out of there. Then I suddenly felt this sinking feeling of dread when I realized that I may have lost my keys in the mall and that we were stuck outside with this strange man who kept looking over his shoulders and was showing no signs of walking away. And I was thinking that he was waiting for the perfect moment to pounce. All he had to do was grab one of my girls and threaten their life, knowing it would make me do whatever he wanted as long as he wouldn't hurt them. I started to feel my adrenaline spike, and my heart and stomach started doing flip-flops, and I felt like at any moment shit was going to go down as the gravity of realizing that there were no other people or witnesses around and that we were totally alone with him at that moment. The odds were stacked against us, and that he has his chance. Then all of a sudden, he was like, 
okay, it was nice talking with you. See you later. And walked off in the same direction as to which he came. It wasn't until then I found my car keys and unlocked the car and told my kids to get in fast. And I got in too, locked the doors and started the car and drove the hell out of there. My 15-year-old lightheartedly and jokingly said, okay, that was weird, and laughed. I was overwhelmed with relief, and then I was confused over what just happened. I thought to myself, why the hell would a guy of seemingly sound mind think it was totally acceptable to go out of his way just to approach a woman and her kids in a deserted parking lot late at night just to chit-chat? And literally the first words that he spoke were, <laughs> this, this is, a, is sticker? a sticker? What the hell? What a good opener. But being that nothing bad happened, I brushed it off and joked about it too. When we got home, my husband greeted us and asked how shopping went, and I said it went well. And my 15-year-old told him about what happened in the parking lot and how weird it was and was kind of joking about it. I started joking too, saying how I was mentally having a panic attack while trying to look calm, and I started making fun of myself by telling my husband how I was attempting to inconspicuously rummage through my purse to find my car keys. My husband went completely white, and I acknowledged this horrific look of alarm and i assured him that albeit creepy the guy was just talking and eventually left on his own now my father-in-law is a retired sheriff deputy and my husband went through the police academy training after graduating high school and being that the knowledge he gained from that plus growing up with a cop for a dad i found out why my husband looked absolutely horrified when i told him the details what my husband told me completely rattled me to the bone my husband told me that he was 100% sure that the reason that this guy was hanging around us and just chit-chatting was because he was waiting for me to unlock my car. And the reason why he was standing next to our kids was because once I unlocked the car and the kids started getting sad, he was most likely going to force himself into the car with the kids and hold a knife or a gun to them to gain leverage on me to force them to cooperate knowing that I wouldn't abandon my kids, which would force me to get into the car with them and do whatever he wanted me to do, which most likely would be to drive to a remote location and do God knows what. Yeah, it's literally hard to tell. Listen, this is another, like, I don't feel like it's very irrational, but I feel so nervous when my kids are in the car and I'm pumping gas. That it, No, it's not, because I'm somebody scared. could jump in. Mm -hmm. Yes, that somebody's going to jump in my car and just whiz away. Uh-huh. That is one of my biggest fears. I feel like as a mother, you're never more vulnerable than when you're leaving shopping or getting out to shop and you're getting your kids out of your car. Yes. Like, your back is turned. Oh God. There's nothing in that moment that makes you more vulnerable than that. Yes, I completely agree. And being that he wasn't wearing a mask suggests that his intentions were to also leave no witnesses to identify him. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> I then remembered that he was positioned by the back seat passenger door where my seven-year-old was standing by waiting to get in. My husband then told me that he most, the most likely reason why the guy ended up leaving was because it took so long for me to find my keys. And the longer it took, the more anxious and spooked it made him. And that whole time I was desperate to find my car keys, which through some sort of divine intervention stayed hidden in my purse, thus saving us from potentially being abducted. Have you ever had, like, a weird experience like that happen to you personally? Yes. Um, so, when Harper was, like, maybe a year old, we had went to um, Dollar General on Main Street. And if you're from Boone County, West Virginia, you know how rough that the Dollar General on Main Street used to be. Um, so, I walked in, and we were shopping, and I just had her on my hip. We were just, you know, playing around with the stuff, and I noticed a guy... And at first, it wasn't, like, alarming or a big deal, but it just seemed like 
every time I went to a different aisle, he was there, like, at the end cap. And so, I started going in weird directions to try to see if he was actually following me or not. Right. And he was. Ooh. And so, I put the stuff back that I had. I went to the, the guy at the cash register, and I was like, listen, that guy. And I even pointed at him. He saw me. And I was like, that guy's following me, and he's making me feel uncomfortable. And that guy said, can I, you know, you want me to walk you to your car? And he did. He walked me to my car, and I got out safe. But I would never accuse somebody of doing something like that if I wasn't sure. And he was, he was really following me. Ooh. Have you? Yeah, one time, um, this was before I had my second and third daughters. Um, my oldest was... Like, just a year old, maybe. And we were at Walmart. But I was pregnant with my second. And we had already checked out at Walmart. And I didn't want to just leave my, you know, cart sitting there for people to steal my shit while I was inside the bathroom changing her diaper. Because she had pooped. Mm. And so, we went out to the car. And I put my shit in the trunk. And I put her in the front seat and laid her down. And I was changing her diaper. And I... You know, I was just looking around, looking over my shoulder, making sure nobody was coming because you have to be, like, hyper aware these days. And it's disgusting, but you do. Mm-hmm. And there was this man parked in front of me, like, in the spot in front of me. And he had his phone up on his, like, dashboard. And I swear, I think that he was, like, taking pictures of oh me changing gosh. Adley's diaper. Now, I'm not sure, but, you know, why else? Like, Ew. I mean, I don't know. If you are that man... Sorry. I mean, you probably don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, it was just weird. It freaked me out. But I think that is the only time that I've ever had anything remotely like that happen to me. And if he was taking pictures, ooh, you know? Gross. Yeah. I don't. I mean, you never know. There are weird people out there. Absolutely. So, this next story is a little more on the, like, paranormal side. And it's called Speaking in Latin. It's a little short. But it says, doing the board with six or seven people, I guess this is talking about Ouija board. Only one of my friends knows Latin, and he is not touching the oracle. The oracle is, like, the little piece that you put on the board that is supposed to move to, like, each of the letters or hello, goodbye, if you've never played. The contact starts speaking to us in what our friend identified as Latin. This same friend later pulled his hand back from the oracle, having received what looked like a small scratch on his wrist. Not bleeding, but bright red, as if fresh. His girlfriend at the time was plagued by a contact they had made and would wake with strange bruises on her legs. So, did you say that you've never played Ouija board? I have never played a Ouija board. Never will. So, I played when I was in high school, like, a lot, all the time. I don't really know, I don't remember exactly how I got into it, but I know myself and another, like, a group of girls that were on the softball team would play all the time, and there was one time that really, I don't know, it scared me a lot, so I never played, like, since then. Right. Um... At the time, I had um, a boyfriend, and I was at one of my friend's houses, and we were playing Ouija board, and we were asking questions, you know, what's your name, how did you pass, you know, blah, 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 the normal things, I guess, and if you don't know anything about Ouija board, spirits can pretend to be 
right. something that they're not. Right. Like, they can pretend to be nice. Or, like, a little girl. Yeah, and they're really fucking evil. So, this guy um, was talking to us, like, really nicely. He was just giving us all the info that we wanted, answering all the questions super nicely. And all of a sudden, it, like, completely switched up. Oh, my God. And, um... It started to talk, like, directly to me. Oh. And my boyfriend at the time was away at college and said, this spirit said that on his way home, he would die in an accident. And I was like, what? Like, how is he going to die? And he was like, uh, texting. Oh, my god. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So, it, I don't know. It just freaked me out so bad. The next day, my boyfriend at the time was supposed to come home. And I was like, please do not text me. <laughs> like, please don't right. talk to me at all on the drive home. You know, I'll just see you when you get here, whatever. But, I don't know. It just really freaked me out because this spirit knew, like, certain things about me that um, maybe nobody else in the room knew. Like, not even my friends. I don't know. It was just super creepy. That but I used creepy. to play all the time. And I actually think that something is, like, attached to me uh, from playing all the time. Like, because weird shit happens all the time at my house. Like, and I've moved several, several times since then. And weird shit always happens no matter where I go. So, I know Halloween is, like, well on its way. And it's spooky season and all. But, please, just save yourself the trouble and do not even bother with a Ouija board. It is the worst mistake that I have made, you know, as a kid. And it still, you know, fucks with me to this day. So just save yourself the trouble. Don't even do it. There are so many rules that are easy to break mm -hmm. that can, like, let shit off of the board. It's just not worth it. And if you're going to play... Never, ever, under any circumstances, play alone. Oh, yeah. That's, like, number one rule. Um, oh, and don't play in a graveyard. Like, that's a big rule, too. Mm -hmm. Because there's just, like, so much shit, like, so many spirits in a graveyard. You don't know who's who. You don't know what's what. You don't know... Their intentions. Anything. Yeah. You don't know what these people were like in their, you know, living stage. So, it's hard to tell what they're like in the afterlife. So, this last story comes to us from Lumpy Passage 6447. Did you ever watch Adventure Time? No. Did Is that what that's from? No. Well, it reminds me of one of the princesses, Lumpy Space Princess, oh, where she's like, yeah. oh my god. I don't know. It just reminded me of it. Okay. That's what that's from. Okay. Um, this one's titled, The Cat Tried to Warn Us. I grew up in a small rural town where nothing ever happens. The sort of place where it wasn't unusual to leave your doors unlocked and your closest neighbors are a mile or so from your house. Our family also had this old giant cat, Tag, who was a bit of a drama king, but we loved him. One summer when I was around 9 or 10 years old, the cat starts going ballistic. Tag generally slept in my room, curled up next to me until I fell asleep and then would try to get up to do whatever cats do in the night. Occasionally... He would meow or try to wake me up on unfortunate nights when he could see the bottom of his food bowl and needed a midnight snack. Usually, if I ignored him, he would give up or rarely go to try to wake up my mom instead. <clears throat> this night, however, he bangs against my parents' bedroom door until he gets in and is meowing loud enough to wake us up. Our bedroom doors were next to each other, and I called a tag to come to bed because it's almost 2 a.m. He is having none of it and is carrying on. 
My mom gets up, goes down to the kitchen, and then huffs back up with Tag on her heels, still meowing insanely. She said his food bowl had plenty of food, and he just walked her to the door of the kitchen. God, I'd be like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Wait, I'm trying to get some shut eye around here. If it's not the kids, it's the animals. Yeah, for real. Tag was an indoor slash outdoor cat, but had his own cat door through the garage, so there was no need for one of us to let him out. My mom said my brother must have left the kitchen door open and just the screen door was shut, but she wasn't holding it open forever just for the cat to stand there and not go out. She shut the kitchen door and went back to sleep, finally shutting her bedroom door this time so Tag couldn't let himself back into their room. I always kept treats for him in my room and offered him one, but he was still meowing at their door trying to get them up. I grabbed him and brought him to my room, shut my door and tried to get him to go to sleep. I laid in bed trying to go back to sleep and tag me. I was at my door wanting back out. I finally opened my door and he bolts back downstairs towards the kitchen. And that's when I heard what sounded like a door slamming. Oh my God. I have three older siblings though. And someone is always up watching TV or running to the bathroom. So I think nothing of it. The cat finally stalks back to my room. But instead of curling up in my armpit like usual, he sat at the bottom of my bed staring at the door. That's when you know something's wrong. Oh, my God. I would freak out. Me, too. I fell asleep until the morning when some commotion wakes me up, and I run downstairs to the kitchen to find my parents on the phone with the police. They got up as usual to get ready for work, and while making coffee, my mom went to grab her rings from the little jewelry dish she had by the sink because she would take them off in the evening to do the dishes and load the dishwasher. But she discovered that the dish was empty this morning. Small town, so the... Sheriff sends a deputy over, and when my dad walks out to meet them, he sees the ATV is missing from out back. The oh, key, so they were wrong. Right. The, the four-wheeler's gone. The jewelry's gone. The key is off the key ring. My brothers are all up at this point, too, and we are all freaked out while we were sleeping. Some robber came in and removed the ATV key <clears throat> and saw an opportunity to take my mom's rings. They so, were, everybody's home at this point? Er, I mean, And everybody. they're, like, robbed in plain, like, yes. in plain sight? Well, not in plain sight. I, I mean, you know what I mean. Everybody was home. So, this person had to be really, really, really quiet, pretty much. I wonder if this person knew the family. Because, like, right. they knew How would the they know to get the, the jewelry dish? Yeah. Uh, they were asking if we had any clue when it happened, and my parents say no. My mom asked my middle brother, who was a freshman in college and home for the summer, what time he ended up off the couch last night. And if he heard anything, he said he went to bed at 10 or 11 and asked what she meant as his bedroom was in the basement and he wouldn't have heard anything in the kitchen. She said, but you were in the living room off the kitchen when I went to feed the cat and shut the door you left open. And I told you not to sleep on my couch and go to your bed as I went back upstairs. He told my mom he was in the basement since dinner and never went out or came upstairs again. So who's on the couch? Good question. He watched a movie in the basement before going to bed in his own bedroom. She goes white and realizes that the cat must have been trying to warn us that someone came into the house. And the robber dove onto the couch and covered up to hide when she came into the kitchen and exited after she went back to bed. Oh my God. <laughs> so she was literally like right there with whoever was in their house. Creepy. The cop said for someone to be so brazen, they probably knew our family. Yep, bingo. Knew our habits, but didn't count on the cat being so overprotective and had probably intended to steal more, but was afraid the cat may wake the whole house. 
I'm thankful for the cat. <laughs> that makes me like my cats a little more. Really? I hope I hope that my cats love me enough that they're willing to save my life. It's not usual for a cat, but I, I'm for it. I would expect it more from like a dog. Me too. Um, it has been over 20 years since this happened and the robber was never caught, but it's unnerving to think it was probably someone who had been at our home before as a friend. Thank God for our cat. I feel like my cat would definitely not save me. I mean, he loves me and I love him, but I just don't think that he's smart enough. No, I feel like when you're, you know, if, if you have cats, they're more of like feed me and leave me alone type Pet me, uh, love me, but right. don't pet me too much right. or I'll scratch you. Right. They're not dogs. Right. Let's just say that. But I think that that's all we have time for today. I'm so glad that Chelsea was able to join me for this podcast. And she's going to be on many more in the future. I'm super excited Yay! to have her as a co-host. <laughs> and with that being said, um, I don't have any pictures, obviously, for any of this stuff to post on the Facebook page. But we did take some pictures here while we were recording because we had the babies here. You know, we're moms just trying to do, just trying to do our job right. that we're not paid for. But still whatever um also i just want to give the national human trafficking hotline number just because we talked about some of that and i feel like you know if you're out and about and you suspect somebody is a victim of human trafficking or if you see some creepy man or woman or whatever you can give this number a call and you know give them the info that's 1-888-373-7888 well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's been so much fun. I can't wait to do it again. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We worked really, really hard on it. And the babies didn't make it super easy. So we've busted our butts to get this done. Yes, we definitely worked so hard on this episode. I mean, you heard throughout babies wanting something to eat. And they're playing together. You know, just being babies. But... I mean, we made it work. Chelsea would, you know, read her part and I would entertain babies and do my commentary and then we would switch and she would do the same thing. So I'm super proud of this episode. I'm so happy that we got to do it together and, you know, we pushed through it with our cute little co-hosts making noises in the background. Be sure to check out the Murder in the Mountains Facebook page. Give a like, maybe share, leave a comment. Tell us what you thought about this week's episode. We would love to hear your feedback. We would love to hear, you know, whether or not you would like to have more episodes like this or just stick to true crime or make this a once, like every once in a while kind of thing. We want to know. I hope that you have a great rest of your weekend and I'll catch you next weekend. (laughs) 